How's everybody doing this morning? Woo! Somebody's excited over here. Anyway, folks, we are glad you're here today. Uh, hope everything's going well for you. Uh, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last six weeks. And today we're going to conclude that series. Alan's going to begin a new series next week on the book of Ephesians, talking about how we live the life that God wants us to live as followers of Jesus. And uh, guys, I don't know about how you felt about this, this study of the Holy Spirit. I have been personally excited and personally enriched. Uh, it has given me a focus that I had already started, but it's really intensified. I've been challenged, and uh, hopefully I will be changed as a result of that. I believe I will be, or I am already being changed. Uh, in case you haven't been here, we, so we talked for six weeks. Alan talked for the first three weeks. He spoke about that the Holy Spirit is a personality. It's a person. It's not an it. And I will do my best today to not refer to it as an it. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things you get used to. The Bible doesn't refer to it as a, with a gender, and it just always refers to it as the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy to say, call it an it. And I will work very hard to not do that. Uh, but he talked about that. And he also talked about what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. Which he put the, what I would say is the best practical wording or understanding of what it means to be filled with the Spirit is that you're living under the influence. L-U-I. Similar to a D-U-I, but a good way. By the way, my wife had to have a, take a field sobriety test last night. She passed, but apparently she had crossed the yellow line once or twice, and they pulled her over, and it's quite comical. She'd have some balance issues, so she says, I should not be driving at night. But we all got a kick out of it. Now, I don't know, when you, when you pass a field sobriety test, what did they give you a warning for? They gave her a warning. And I don't understand that. For, for passing, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, Alan talked about that being filled with the Spirit is living under its influence. He also spoke about the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts are what we do to serve other people, and the fruit of the Spirit is your character. It's what you are. What kind of person you are. And for the last two weeks, I've talked about it in a more practical way. What's it mean to walk in the Spirit? And today I'm really just going to be kind of bringing the sermon to a or the series to a conclusion, uh, looking at it a little bit different aspect on one thing, and then uh, I'm going to talk about what we're going to do with this information. But guys, if you look in your notes, I have two passages from Galatians chapter five. I have verses 16 and verse 25 there on your notes, and those two verses are kind of the beginning and the end of a, of a series of, of, a, of a thought or, or some teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I clued in on these just on purpose. It says in verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Then he concludes his thought. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And you see, guys, he starts his thought there saying, walk in the Spirit. Concludes his thought saying, keep in step with. Obviously, if you're going to walk, you're going to take some steps. Walking is a process made up of of repeated steps and that's what walking in the spirit is it's a process of taking repeated steps 
but we have to stay in step with the Spirit. Well, what's that all about? And how, is, how do you do that? Well, before we get into that, I want to talk about something that I believe is often overlooked. You may notice it in this first passage in verse 16, but I don't believe it's really, it really gets the attention that it deserves, that it jumps out at me. And this is what it says. It says, so if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature or of your flesh. Now you see, guys, in my struggle with sin, it's a struggle. (laughs) What does that mean? That means I don't always succeed. I don't always have victory. But what this passage is telling me that there is a way to not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, guy, I don't, I, I don't know if you've ever struggled with a particular sin. Has anybody out there ever done that? I didn't ask. Okay. I assume everybody. But guys, you struggle with a particular particular sin, and I'm guessing that it's not a, a like a you quit cold turkey and you never do it again. I wish that was the way it was. But I ask you to think about how you approach it. You see, because the way most of us approach overcoming a sin is we tell ourselves, don't do that. Stop doing that. And we may come up with all kinds of rules for ourselves or somebody else may that says, don't do that. Okay? That's the way we approach it. That's not the way the Bible tells us to approach it. It says if you do not want to gratify the desires of the flesh, you need to walk by the Spirit. And it doesn't say if you walk by the Spirit, this will help you say no to sin. Or this will give you an edge. It says if you walk by the Spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? That means that if you're walking by the Spirit when it comes to a particular sin you're struggling with, you won't do it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of interested in that. That excites me to know, look, my struggle can be made a whole lot simpler if I approach it the right way. See, guys, I don't know, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you studied, struggled with a particular sin. You know, when I think about sins that people struggle with, or that I struggle with, first one that comes to mind is sexual immorality and impurity. I mean, it goes, it covers a large range of things. Okay? But that's one that, that people struggle with. I think about addictions. Okay? And I'm not just talking about the biggies, you know, the smoking, drinking, and, and heroin. I'm talking about any addiction that you do on a repeated basis. You know, I know there's addictions to food. I myself am a stress eater. I get stressed, I eat. Okay? That's an addiction. I know of other people who have addictions with their moods. Okay? In my struggle with depression, I would call that an addiction. I couldn't stop. Tim brought it up uh, during the teacher's service about being addicted to watching television. You know, how many of you watch television on a regular basis? And I mean regular, a daily basis. Yeah. (laughs) You can keep that to yourself. (laughs) 
But you understand, try stop. You know how they define, they say you can define if you have an addiction? Try stopping it. And see how hard it is. But guys, watching television is something honestly I'm dealing with right now. Okay? Because when I have downtime, I want to do nothing. I want to veg out. I want to watch television. And Netflix has made it really easy to do that. Okay? It qualifies there. Those are addictions. Greed. And greed is just really a trust of money, a trust of financial and material resources, and, and wanting to have more. Even for, for a, a, the, the reason of wanting to take care of yourself. Lying. Gossip. Fits of rage. Unforgiveness. Unloving. Impatient. My mother is 78 years old. She'll be 79 a week from tomorrow. And I've shared with you guys repeatedly about how God has, has continues to change me into more of His likeness by, by taking care of my mother and uh, having that, that, that right and that privilege of doing that. And uh, one of her things is she'll say, Ah, I've got patients that are this long. And it's funny because my mom has, she's lived her whole life going to church and claiming to be a Christian. And yet here she is at 79. She's talking about how she doesn't have patience. And it was really cool because as I've talked to her about this, she's learning to have more patience. But you understand, guys, how impatience can be a struggle. You see, guys, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's, impatience is literally can be sinful. And then, guys, my, my all-time favorite, as I've, I've shared before, I want to do at least a lesson, if not a, a short series, on fear. And guys, you think about fear, um, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. We'll talk more about that later. But guys, the list can go on and on and on and on. And I go through those lists right now because I just I, I hope you're thinking about your struggles. Either something you struggled with in the past, or hopefully something you recognize as a struggle right now. You see, because I believe, I believe right now I'm doing better than I've ever done in my whole life at living by the Spirit and at keeping in step with the Spirit. And can I tell you, I am far from perfect. I can share with you, you I, I, I will share with you some today. I could go into, uh, I could share much more, but we really don't have time about how God has shown me where I don't walk with the Spirit. And guys, I want you to I want you to be looking at this because guys, if anybody in this room is, if you're serious about following Jesus, if you're serious about Him being the Lord of your life, because you are human, you will struggle. I'm more concerned if you if you tell me I have no struggle at all. Hebrews twelve three it talks about in your struggle against sin. And I believe as long as I'm alive, I'm going to have some form of a struggle to be what God wants me to be. And I believe, guys, God has given us the tools through His Holy Spirit to be victorious over sin. That's what this passage is telling us. You walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Does that interest you? I hope that interests you to say, I want to live my life in such a way that sin literally doesn't really have any power over me. That's exciting to me. I don't, that excites me to no end. 
But anyway, guys, practically speaking, what does walking in the Spirit look like? Well, this is what I'm going to say. Walking in the Spirit means that my words, my thoughts, my actions, and my attitudes agree with the Spirit. That's what that means. That if I'm going to walk in the Spirit, I'm constantly aware of what if what I'm saying, my words, would agree with the Spirit. Or maybe I should say how I say it. How my words are said. Agree with how the Spirit would want me to say them. What my thoughts are. What my actions will be. And what my attitudes are. You see guys, that is the struggle that we've looked at from Galatians 5 and Colossians 3 and Romans 8 over the last several weeks about how there's a battle that goes on between us, between our sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. But guys, we have a choice. We control how big of a struggle that's really going to be by how we choose to live our lives. And are we going to walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit? Okay? And so guys, look at this passage here. We have two passages here we're going to look at together. One's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. And we talk about this with the idea of agreeing with God, agreeing with the Spirit. It says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now guys, I don't know if you caught that. I know I'm only halfway through the passage, but I have to stop right here because this blows my mind. When you start talking about agreeing with God, and we talk about the significance of the Holy Spirit, and what's the significance of this gift that God has given us to have His Holy Spirit live inside of us, it is so we can know the thoughts of God. That's what it's saying. Who knows the thoughts of God except His Spirit? And this is the Spirit that God has freely given us. Now, I don't know about you, but I have, I don't, my thoughts don't line up with God's a lot of the time or even most of the time. So if I have my spirit, His Spirit inside me that knows His thoughts, why don't my thoughts line up with Him? Because I don't always walk with Him. But guys, it's available for me too. Going on there, picking up verse 13, it says, This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You see, guys, this is huge that we decide that we want to agree with what the Holy Spirit says, that we want to agree with God. And that's what walking in the Spirit is all about. You will not walk in the Spirit if you want to hold on to your old ways. 
If you are not ready to have your thoughts, your beliefs, your paradigms of life challenged, you won't walk with the Spirit. Because that's what the Spirit's aim is. Is to get your thoughts, your beliefs, to agree with God and that your actions will follow. That your actions become actions that please God. Now you may ask the question, well, how does this work? Well, it's, 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 very, it's really not all that difficult, though it is a challenge to implement. Okay, how do you know what God thinks? How do you know for sure that this thought you're having, this change of thought is really from God? See, it's kind of scary for me to be standing up here, or anybody, Tim or Alan, to be standing up here and to talk to a group of people and to say, this, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You don't need rules. You don't need laws. You need to know how to live by the Holy Spirit. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, you'll do what God wants you to do. You don't need a rule to follow. Okay? If you're led by the Spirit, that's the way that will work. But it's scary for us to do that because people will go, well, Holy Spirit's leading me to do it. I better do it. Well, what's He letting you do? Well, He put this person in my life. You know, you're single. And He put this person in my life to... to it must be from God. I prayed and then this person showed up and they like me. You know, that's a sign all by itself. Because most people don't like me. Right? And, and, and there's more... Guys, we, we, we chuckle about that and I said that for funny, but to be funny, but there's more truth to that. When we're single, when you're single and you're wanting attention and you want that attention from the opposite sex and it comes along... That's the way it feels. This must be right. But, but they don't look at the fact that, hey, the person's not a believer in Jesus. And God has already clearly spoken on the topic. What has He said? He says, don't be emotionally connected to a non-believer. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 6. Don't be unevenly yoked, believer and non-believer. And it's scary because this freedom that God has given us can be misused. It can be used to justify if you, if you handle it incorrectly. But guys, I'm here to tell you, this is the way God intends for you to live. God wants you to be led by, your, by His Holy Spirit. That's why He's given it to you. He wants you to walk in it, but He doesn't want you to be, to be, to be deceived. And how do you avoid that being deceived? You see, guys... Here's the key way. I'm being led by the Spirit when I agree with God's Word. You want to know, if you get, if you get a thought to do something, a feeling, an urge, or even an opportunity, and you want to know, is this the Holy Spirit leading? You need to look at what God has said. Now hopefully, you've been in the Bible, you've been in God's Word enough that you can pull a lot of it out from memory. You're like David who said, I've hidden your word in my heart. But that may be the case, not be the case. You may have to go, go pull up a concordance or, or pull up a Bible search figure and go find out what God has to say. You may have to find someone else uh, and ask them, a close friend hopefully, and say, hey, what does God say on this subject or what applies to this subject? 
I, uh, I just had dinner with my daughter last night. As, as I told you, my daughter finished her first year of college. And she is what I would call your stereotypical uh, college student, goes off to college and gets some new ideas in her head. Okay? And comes home with questions. Why do we do this? Or why don't we do that? Or I think this. Or I believe that. And I'm very fortunate, my daughter and I have such a relationship, that she talks openly with me about these things. So she sent me a text earlier this week, says, how do you feel about women preachers? I didn't respond for over a day. She says, well, how do you respond to that in a text? How do you address that with a text? I tell you what, I wish I just got busy and I didn't, and we talked about it last night. And what I said was, what has God already said that applies to this situation? I mean, I can think of four or five passages or, 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 or things that God has said that apply. All right? And so I'm saying, let's go look at what He... I hope you really don't care what I think as much as you care what God thinks. And guys, this is the same situation right now. You need to care what God says. If you're going to be led by His Spirit, you can't do that without knowing His Word. And you see, guys, you want to know, all you got to do is look at what He's already had to say. That's what the Holy Spirit says. If you're wondering, or you think the Holy Spirit is opening a door for you, or is um, giving you an opportunity, or leading you in a specific direction to say a certain something, or to take specific action, and you go look at the Bible, and what you are feeling led to do The Bible says you shouldn't do. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Like the situation I was just talking about, about with a believer having the opportunity to date a non-believer and then to marry a non-believer. God has spoken on it. And if you're in that situation or find yourself in that situation and you go, what do you do? The question is, are you going to please God? Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to keep in step with that Holy Spirit? Now the truth of the matter is, guys, this applies to all kinds of situations. Let me rephrase that. This applies to every situation. There is nothing in your life that God doesn't have a thought on. And so guys, what I'm going to do here before I close out this series, I just want to go through a list of things and some ideas of what you may be struggling with and how you look at what the Word of God has to say and how you keep in step with it. Guys, you know, I talked earlier about sexual immorality and sexual impurity. And I think specifically one of the things that falls into that category is lust. Imagining, fantasizing about having sex with someone that you are not married to. That is what lust is. And the Bible says you shouldn't do it. Okay, it is a form of what you would call impurity. It is also a form of what they call sexual immorality. And guys, the question is, how do you deal? Well, people come up with all kinds of things. You know, like dating couples come up with the rules. Okay? Rules like what? We will not be alone together. We will not be alone in each other's apartment or in any house. 
We will not, some people go as far as we will not be alone in a car. I've heard of some groups where they say, I will not ever kiss until my wedding day. I think those are fair guidelines for them to set up. But guys, I want to tell you what I believe is the best way to deal with sexual immorality and to stay in step with the Spirit is to make purity your goal. You see guys, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul tells Timothy that he needs to view the younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And you see guys, when you do that, all of a sudden, impure stuff becomes very obvious. You don't get close to it because it stands out. I was, uh, I was talking about watching TV, and there's a new term for watching TV. It's called binge watching. You know, because of Netflix, you can literally watch a whole season or eight seasons, whatever it is, in rapid succession. Okay? And, uh, I have just started watching the first season of, I'm near the end of the first season of Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen series. Have you seen this? It is, yes, it's been canceled. We're hoping it'll be picked up. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I got five seasons of Netflix to go through. <laughs> but guys, it, it, it's, it's funny because he's a, he called Last Man Standing because he's got his wife and three, three daughters. Okay, that he lives with. So he's the last man standing, and he's this real gung-ho, macho, outdoorsman kind of guy. In fact, he works at a place called Outdoor Man. And uh, th- this is his persona. And I don't remember the exact situation, but all of a sudden he's concerned <clears throat> with how his daughter is viewed. He has a daughter that, oh, I know what it was. She wants to be a model, and so she, she's taking pictures of herself in, with just her bra on and, 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 and half-nude pictures. Pornography. And she's going to send these off and she's all excited about it. And so he deals with this at home. And then he goes to Outdoor Man and they have a promotion. And I forget even what it was, but it's girls in bikinis, basically, is their promotion. And what does he do? He sends them home. Because all of a sudden he's challenged. And this is, this is a fictional show, by the way. But it illustrates what we're saying. All of a sudden he's going, I want my daughter to be viewed with purity. And so he goes and all of a sudden, the day before he saw these women at the store, and guess what? He didn't see them as people's daughters. He saw them as objects. And then all of a sudden when he's going, I want my daughter to be pure, and people to look at her pure, guess what happens? He changes his stance on these women at, the, at work. And you see, guys, that's how it works. You have to, when you're keeping in step with the Spirit, you're not telling yourself, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You're saying, you're telling yourself what to do. Let's view them purely. What's that mean? With their clothes on. Okay? As a sister. As a daughter. That's the way he's telling them to do it. And guys, no, and it goes even farther... You know, there are songs I can't listen to on the radio that I used to listen to. Okay? Honky tonk, badonky donk. It's a, it's a catchy tune. Have you heard it? I'd sing a few bars, but it wouldn't do it justice and you'd just laugh harder. But it, it, it's a song about lust. It's a country song. 
I want to say it's by Trace Atkins. I don't remember. It's, it's a catchy tune. I like it. All of a sudden, I'm listening to the radio and I go, this is not keeping in step with the Spirit. And I have to turn it off. I don't have to, I don't have to rule. Don't listen to Trace Atkins music. Don't listen to country music. Don't listen to the radio. And that's literally the truth, guys. I listen to the radio a fraction of what I used to because I found myself turning it off so much. Okay? And God's worked on me. And what He said is, you know, hey, look, you can, you can keep step on my spirit. Let's guide, let my spirit guide your thoughts instead of the radio. Okay? I mean, that, that includes talk radio, by the way. I mean, because I turn that off too. Um, and he's, he's, like I said, I listened to a fraction of it. Now he's moved on. God, the Holy Spirit has moved on and is trying to help me to do the same thing with TV. You know? I think The Big Bang Theory is one of the funniest shows on TV. And it is so sexualized. And I have to turn it off. I don't do it, I don't do it all the time. Ask my wife. She has to tell me to. But guys, it's, I have, I want to keep in step with the Spirit, and watching it doesn't keep me in step with the Spirit. Guys, another one, and I'm, I'm just going to lay this out here, is lying. And what I want to include in with lying is gossip. Because gossip is a way, a way of being deceived into lying. Okay? That's what it is. You're not meaning to tell a lie. You're just telling something that ain't true because you heard it and it's good stuff. You see, guys, you, you go around telling yourself, don't gossip, don't lie, don't gossip, don't lie. What you need to do is what's keeping in step with the Spirit. What's keeping in step with the Spirit is loving the truth. Loving the truth. I started this several years ago with regards to gossip and I didn't even realize what I was doing. But I can't stand making a decision off misinformation. I can't stand being deceived. And what I was found myself doing was making judgments about other people based off of misinformation. And I was giving a lot of thought to how I should handle them or how I should confront them before I even found out what was actually said or done. And literally, guys, on a weekly, multiple times each week, I'm having conversations with someone and I'm having to say, well, we don't know that's true. And what I'm saying is, I am not going to make a judgment about somebody else off third-hand information. You see, guys, I don't have to tell myself to not gossip. I've got to have a love for the truth. In 1 Thessalonians 2, it talks about people who are depraved. And it says they refuse to love the truth. See, guys, I want to keep in step with the Spirit. And what's that mean? I'm going to love the truth. Ephesians 4 talks about someone who's lying must begin speaking the truth. Guys, this is what keeping in step with the Spirit means. Moving on, and I mentioned this earlier, how many of you view fear as a sin? Some of you? I've been told, I haven't went through the Bible and count. I, 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 probably if I turned off the TV, I'd have time to do this. But I've been told that do not be afraid 
is the most common commandment in the Bible. It's the one that's used the most. I've been told it's in the neighborhood of 600 times God says, do not be afraid, fear not, or some variant of that, you know, such as be strong and courageous, meaning don't be afraid. And it, when you look at what the Bible has to say, guys, fear is very clearly not from God. I mean, it's not. And guys, I believe we justify fear in our lives over and over again. And we let fear, we make decisions based off fear. What might happen if I do the right thing? What might happen if I'm honest about what I think? What might happen if I take a risk? And it doesn't matter if it's an emotional risk or a financial risk. What might happen? That's what fear is all about. But guys, you look at two passages in the Bible I'll point you at. Uh, One is in Matthew chapter 25 in what's commonly referred to as the parable of the talents. And there's three servants. I, I, I love this story. I love everything it says. It's kind of a theme passage for me in my life. But the third servant, Jesus call, or the Master calls, a wicked, lazy servant because of his actions. And the servant had justified his actions before this by saying, I was afraid. I was afraid. And you look at that, guys, and it's very clear that if you are being, if you are making a decision based off of fear, you're not in step with the Spirit. God wants you to be a person who takes risks. And if you don't think living His way is risky, I challenge you to look at that. Guys, another passage is in Revelation chapter 21, and verses 7 and 8. And it talks about, well, let me just read it. It says, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars will be confined to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Is anybody surprised to find the cowardly in that list? See, it doesn't, maybe it's just me, but I think it kind of stands out as being different from the rest. Do you know why I think it stands out as being different? Because my thoughts don't always agree with the Holy Spirit. They don't always agree with God. God is saying, being fearful and allowing your fear to make you a coward is not keeping in step with the Spirit. That's not what I want. And you see, guys, so you find yourself and you're trying to find out what God wants you to do, and you're in a situation and you find fear being your motivator, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not keeping in step with the Spirit. Moving on to one of my personal favorites, again, is worry. Worry. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, do not worry literally about anything. I believe it's Philippians 4, 5, and 6, or 6 and 7, tells you the same thing. Do not worry. And that's a toughie. 
Okay, sometimes worry slips by, it deceives you. You don't recognize it for what it really is. You say you're not worrying and then you become obsessive about something. And that's all worry is. It's excess and obsessive thought. I've never had so many things to give attention to at one time in my life as what I do right now. And I believe part of the lesson is God is continuing to up the ante, so to speak, for me. He has taught me, and I believe I've learned some lessons on how not to worry. And so what He does is He gives me bigger opportunities to worry about. And guys, that's just what it is. How do you, you just have to, you just have to choose not to. Okay? You have to choose not to give excessive thought to it. What has God had to say about that? And I don't have a list of passages here. I don't think I need them because they're so obvious. God has told you to have faith. What does that mean? It means you trust Him for what's going to happen. And you don't worry about the result. You live your life and you take your actions and you think the thoughts that God wants you to think and you trust Him for the result. You let it go. And when you find yourself worrying, you just say, I got the right to think about something else. I can go have fun. Because God's handling this. But how many times, guys, you hang on to things that you want? And we, I believe we do this a lot because we want control. We don't like to give up the control. And we think if we think about it more, we can find something that we can control that we can take over. And will influence the situation to go the way we want it to go. You see, God's promised to take care of you. One of the things He does with me repeatedly when it comes to me wanting to be fearful and to worry is He tells me to look behind me. Okay? I'm 54. I've been self-employed for over 30, over 20 years. I'm sorry, over 20 years. And there's a big fear of failing. There's a fear of bankruptcy. There's a fear of losing my house. All fears that I've had to deal with on a repeated basis. And when I have these thoughts now, all i got to do is look behind me and go, God, you've taken care of me in the past. I believe you're going to do it again in the future. Guys, this is what walking in the Spirit is all about. It's agreeing with God in your thoughts, your words, your actions, and your attitudes. And guys, as we've talked about over the last several weeks, This is how God wants His children to live. He has given us His Holy Spirit for this purpose, to aid us in this and to give us this power. Now guys, something I'm going to do, we've given you a bunch of information here. And now the challenge as I close out today and I close out this series, I'd like to close it out in a little bit different way. Typically, we give you the information and then you do what you want with it. And I'd like to challenge you or call you to a decision. Is the last six weeks worth of information on the Holy Spirit going to be information only? You know, you're going to put it on the shelf. You may be one of these smart people that can remember a lot of stuff. You don't have to pull it off the shelf. You can recall it from your mind. When the time comes, maybe you're having a discussion about it, or maybe actually you see a need to use it. Is it going to be merely information, or is it going to be information that leads to your transformation? 
You see, guys, that is what we've talked about. We talked about this before when we were talking about the resurrection, and we've talked about it again. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to transform you into the likeness of Jesus. That is what He's trying to do. And as we've talked about, you have, he, He's not going to force Himself on you. You have to yield to the Holy Spirit. You have to decide that you're going to live this way. That's why you're give, in Romans 8, Galatians 5, Colossians 3, it basically says you're going to live one of two ways. Live by your sinful nature, live by the Spirit. And you have a choice. And we talked about two weeks ago that you have to want to live your life this way. Or you're not going to live this, your life this way. And so guys, as we close out this, this, this series, I want to call you to a decision the same way that Joshua did in Joshua 24, to saying, what are you going to do with this? Joshua 24, it's in your notes. I'm not going to read it right now. You can read it on your own. Most of you are probably familiar with it. But it's where they're about to go into the promised land and Joshua says, decide how you're going to live when you get there. Are you going to serve God? Are you going to serve the false gods that you used to do? And guys, right now I want to ask you, we've told you a lot about the Holy Spirit. How are you going to live? Are you going to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Are you going to continue wandering around following your sinful nature? Because if you don't make a firm commitment and a firm decision and then follow through with it, you'll keep doing what you're doing. You know, you've heard the old definition of insanity. You do the same things the same way and expect a different result. Guys, I believe the Holy Spirit was given to us so we can do things differently. And guys, I'm going to ask you right now, is that how you want to live? Do you want to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit? If you are, I want to ask you to make that commitment. How do you do it? Well, guys, I want to, if you're going to make that commitment, I ask you to declare that commitment. What does that mean? That means you tell somebody about it. I want you to first start by telling God about it. I believe that's where it's most important. Is that you declare to God, I want to live by your Spirit. I was so moved and excited two or three weeks ago on Thursday night at our prayer meeting. And Chris Weiler is there and Chris is praying and Chris says, I love his honesty. He says, Father, I don't completely understand how to be filled with your Spirit. Okay? And that's the first thing you need to know. You don't have to know everything. Alright? You don't have to understand it all. But he goes, and then he said, but I want to be filled with your Spirit. And guys, that's what I'm asking you to do here, is make a commitment that I'm going to live the way God had set this up to be lived. He's given me this Holy Spirit, and I'm going to live by it. I'm going to keep in step by it. I'm going to look for its guidance in my life. Make that commitment. Declare it. Declare it to God. Declare it to your closest friends. And by that, I mean your closest Christian friends. You see, guys, how, many, how, how often do you have a discussion with your closest friends about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Or about being led by the Holy Spirit? About, or about, it's clear what the Holy Spirit wants me to do here. How often do you have that conversation? 
Or how often do you have this discussion about Grey's Anatomy? Okay? How often do you have that discussion? Or do you have a discussion about how the Cardinals are doing? Or whatever football team you like now? You see, guys, I want to see the culture here at Greater Alton change. We want to be a church who's filled with the Holy Spirit. We want that to be very visible. And that's going to happen as individuals make decisions about this. And guys, we want to change the culture. That means you're going to be talking about it. Third thing, guys, in declaring your commitment, I'm going to ask you to tell, tell Tim or Alan or I about it. Text us. Email us. Tell us in person. We just want to get an understanding of, of, of those that are doing it. That's why I said, that's why it excited me hearing Chris pray that. I want to be more excited about more of you. Okay? And I don't mean that I'm not now. I just mean that excites me to see God's Spirit moving and to see people having a desire to keep in step with His Spirit and to understand it. After that, guys, I want you to begin and continue to talk about it, as we talked about, and then to look for the Spirit's leading in particular situations. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you i got it all going on. Alright? I hope I've communicated that. I have my struggles. But I can tell you very clearly that my direction is set. I want to be full of God's Holy Spirit. I do not want to be guilty of 1 Timothy 3.5 of having a godliness, I mean a form of godliness, but deny its power. I want to keep in step with the Spirit and I want to continually look for the Spirit's leading in my life. And as we close out today, guys, and we close out this series, I hope you can say the same. Let's pray. Father, I am excited about this. Father, this series has changed or, or continues to change me because You've been changing me for a while now. Father, it excites me because I know I understand Your power better. I understand Your Holy Spirit better. I understand what, what it's capable of doing if I will allow it. If I will look for it. If I will keep in step. Father, it is exciting to know that if You live this way, you won't satisfy the desires of the sinful nature. Father, I want to pray right now. And I want to ask You to be with every individual. Father, I've asked, for, I've asked for a commitment. I know that not everybody in this room will make that commitment. And Father, that's okay. They may want to say, I don't think about it. I'm not sure. Father, I ask those individuals to make the decision. Do I want to please God or do I want to live for myself? And Father, for the rest of us, Father, I pray that we can truly make that commitment and follow through with it. And we can begin to help each other stay focused on living by Your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.